The following podcast is a Green Fresh Media production. Hey, Trailblazers, welcome back to the Business Casual Podcast. If you're new here, welcome to the show. My name is Stacy, and I am the co-founder and host of the Business Casual Podcast with my younger sister, Mariana. We are so excited to have you here. If this is your first episode, welcome to the Business Casual. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back. Today is an extra special episode, and that's because I have a really exciting announcement to share, and that is that I am headed to Salt Lake City, Utah at the end of April to attend the Social Icon Conference with the Business Casual. I honestly cannot believe that this podcast and this little thing that my sister and I started two years ago is taking me all the way to Utah. Um, There are some huge names. It's a digital marketing and podcasting conference with um, Tezza as the keynote speaker. If you don't know who Tezza is, she is an icon in the digital marketing space and her app, um, Tezza, is amazing. Uh, My favorite podcasters from the What We Said podcast are going to be there. And overall, I'm just so excited to go and learn and hear from different perspectives in the industry and obviously share the business casual to those at the conference. So if you're interested in learning more, head over to our Instagram page because if you're not following our Instagram page, I don't know what you're doing. Um, It's at business.casual.podcast. We have been working on that feed. It is looking super cute. So you definitely should be following us on Instagram. You can also follow my personal Instagram, which I never say on the podcast, but it's at stace.spranza. I'm going to be sharing my entire experience at the conference and my trip to Utah. So yeah, I'm overall so excited. I will definitely be talking more about it as it gets closer to the date. But if you're interested in learning more about it, feel free to check out our Instagram or at Social Icon Conference on Instagram and online. And... Thank you so much again because I wouldn't this wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for all of you listening. So thank you so much for tuning in every single week and for always being so supportive and for being trailblazers and for following us on Instagram and always interacting with us. It truly means the world and I cannot wait to share more about this. But without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. We're talking about wealth management, but not in a boring way. We're making it fun. Wealth management is important. Your finances and being financially literate is super important. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Hey, Trailblazers. Welcome back to the Business Casual Podcast. I am pleased to bring you another insightful conversation and welcome today's guest to the show, Candice J. Hi, Candice. How are you today? Hi, Stacy. Pleasure to be here. I'm doing great. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. I'm a little overwhelmed. I'm not going to lie. I have a really big paper due tomorrow, and I fell at the hands of procrastination this this paper, so I'm a little bit worried about that, but today we're not talking about that. We're talking all things about you and your career, and so I'm excited to hear more about your journey. You're also a UFT alumni, so I'm sure you can relate to a lot of students' um, struggles with procrastination and getting deadlines and exams. Most definitely. I mean, it's a very normal thing out there, and I think even um, time management when you're in the professional working world, it becomes um, something that you have to master. So this is a great training ground when you're in university to go through situations like that, um, you know, to be on top of things and to be procrastinating because you're going to have to go through that when you are in the working world as well. Yes, definitely. It's something that I think you'll never really master. I mean, I personally think it's just something you have to learn to live with. And obviously there are ways you can be more productive and ways you can work around it. But um, anyways, 
a little bit off topic, but uh, I introduced you at the beginning of the show, but I'd love to hear in your own words how you would describe your career, your personality, and maybe some of your passions outside of your career. Perfect. Yeah. Happy to talk a bit about that. So my career investment management spans over 15 years. And along with my fellow partners at uh, Connor Clark and Len, um, we have our own practices in helping high net worth individuals and foundations and endowments with a pension style investment uh, portfolio strategy. So this really is a passion of mine. I don't consider it as a job. Um, I really love what I'm doing and it's easy for me to do this every day. So uh, that is an area that I love doing. Um, And inside of my practice, I also focus a lot on strategic philanthropy. So that's another area I'm passionate when working with clients with to talk about their values and missions and identify where philanthropy can play a role and come up with strategies to help reduce taxes. So I'm also, um, you know, outside of my day job, I do a lot of volunteering. I'm on the board of University of Toronto's Alumni Association. And I have appointed role of VP of Governance there, which means I also chair the university's College of Electors body, and that is a part of the Governing Council body. Um, I also volunteer with the uh, UHN Foundation, that's the University Health Network, um, in their next generation group called the UIC, it's the UHN Impact Collective. And that's a body of really um, passionate next generation leaders in the community who want to give back to healthcare, to um, you know, being involved in educating the public, making creating awareness to what UHN is doing. Um, and so these are all things that I love being a part of and really doesn't feel like a lot when it comes to working. Um, but those are just a few things um, on the side for the many other things that I do as well. It's so inspiring to hear everything you are part of, because I think as students, when you're in the early stages of your career, you know, you're involved in student groups. Maybe if you're in university, you're playing sports, you have a lot of free time, you know, socials, you're always engaging. And then I, I, there's like this conception that you entered the workforce and you have one job and you kind of do that nine to five. And then I don't even know what people do after five o'clock people. I I guess it's just that that everyone only talks about what they do nine to five. So it's really refreshing to hear that you're part of so many different organizations. And obviously I talk about all the time, but as a U of T student, I'm very proud of my university. So it's really nice to also have another U of T alumni on the show and um, talking with you. And so the first thing I really want to get into is your involvement with the University Health Network. I'd love to hear a bit more about that. Why specifically healthcare is something that you wanted to give back in, and maybe when you started that um, involvement? Yeah, uh, that's a, a good story because it's a personal story, and, and it should start with personal stories whenever people are thinking about volunteer roles and what they want to allocate their time to. Um, and UHN has been a part of our family um, with many, many different um, segments of my family, uncles and aunts and my direct um, parents as well in helping with their health. And we're just so grateful for the doctors, the physicians, the care, the nurses, everyone in there that helped with uh, recovery, with um, surgeries in there. So really wanted to give back beyond monetary means. And that's like, you know, what can we do um, to raise awareness? What can we do to, you know, what do they need um, in, in terms of, you know, how people can be um, involved? So Uh, The timing of that was actually very good because two years ago, just before COVID, I did reach out and there's this new group called um, the the UHN um, Impact Collective that started then. 
And that's made up of a, a group of us younger professionals who also had stories, personal stories, whether it affected them personally or their family members, um, to be involved in UHN somehow. So the group is still in its early stages. It's only two years old, but um, really the, the story there is to create a merriment of education on healthcare and to also make things fun in learning. So it started off like before COVID, the idea was to have um, the Serving Knowledge Supper Club. So we would have some physicians come in specialty areas, come and talk to the group, educate, Q&A. It's actually fascinating to have access to these really smart people who save lives all the time um, and, and then marry it with a really neat restaurant in Toronto. And so that was supposed to be a pretty frequent gathering that we would have um, before COVID time. So we had to move that virtual, which was okay, um, but we're really excited to get back in person. And there's just so many more other initiatives that we're doing there. Um, but it's, it's you know, where can our passions lie? And the, the side benefit that really was nice in this work is that you get to meet a lot of other like-minded people from all different areas and uh, you just become friends. Like it, it's such a wonderful um, you know, thing that no one expected. And, and now we've become friends because we're in this together. Definitely. I think it's important, again, to talk about finding, you know, friends and mentors and like peers outside of your career and work, because while you spend a lot of time with those in your workplace, it's also important to have like other groups um, outside of work and where you spend majority of your time to kind of bounce ideas off each other, like feel inspired. So it's really nice to hear about your involvement in that. And then, as you mentioned earlier, you have so many other, like you're on the board at U of T Alumni Association. I saw that you're an activator in CEO. You know, you have your career at CCNL. So how do you manage all of this? And how do you make sure that you have time to do everything you want to do? So like we were just talking about, you have to be a master of time. You have to keep things efficient. You need to know what's important and prioritize um, your family, first of all, making sure that uh, that's well taken care of, and then your career and everything else that you do. Uh, I don't spend much time on things that I'm not passionate about because mm -hmm. otherwise I won't have a lot of time. But right. the the way that you you go about it is that you have to compartmentalize. You got to make sure that you know this day is doing this. You have my calendar is always full booked, and I'm calendar planning all the time. You become a master of doing that. So in, in that sense, you will create time and uh, you will make time for things that are important. There's always enough time to do that. So um, maybe you don't get to watch, you know, your favorite TV show just at that moment, but maybe you can catch up later on. So these are the types of things that uh, you end up going through and you give and take and uh, just make sure the things that are important to you have allocated time towards it. And on that topic, you know, you mentioned watching your favorite TV show, or maybe doing something for yourself. Do you feel burnout or like what are your tips when you're feeling that your calendar has been full for maybe a couple of weeks and you're really needing to take a step back from anything? Like, how do you navigate that and how do you ensure that you're still giving yourself to 100% of the things you want to while also making sure you're giving yourself 100% of you? Mm -hmm. Burnout is a real thing. I think the most important thing is to recognize burnout and uh, when you can feel it and do something about it. Don't just for don't just keep in the back and just say you got to keep going. So sometimes you have to do that, but I think the recognizing like recognizing it is just so important. I think um, in COVID, everyone had a had to experience it differently and in mm -hmm. in a new way. Um, and I would say in last year, I probably felt it seven months in. 
and recognizing like, oh my goodness, like I need something to make myself happy. Like what can you do to reward yourself? What can you do? Like you probably haven't really, you know, gone out. You haven't really bought too many things. You're just so focused on work. Um, as probably a lot of people have mentioned speaking with you, it's, you know, the access to work is so much more in front of your face. You wake up, it's there, you go to sleep, it's there. Um, it's on your phone all the time. And what else are you doing? You're not going out. So you end up working a bit more. So to recognize when you need to take a step back to, you know, enjoy a dessert or to buy something that is a nice treat for yourself. Sometimes that that is enough to help and to refresh yourself. Sometimes you need to recognize I need to take a day off or, you know, on the weekend, actually have a weekend and enjoy yourself. Be outside. Uh, Mental health is just so important. So um, as long as you take action to do um, things to make yourself healthier, then the burnout can be mitigated a lot more and it wouldn't last a very long time. But it is to make sure you do take steps to do that. And do you think now as you reflect on your career thus far, are these things you've learned throughout or do you think that this is something that you kind of had to be put in a situation where you felt burnout to really recognize and then learn from it? How did you kind of navigate it in like the earlier stages of your career when you're trying to really make a name for yourself and do everything you want to and put your 100% of yourself into your career while also, you know, being a young adult, being a young professional and trying to navigate that as well. So how, how did you kind of navigate that world? So a lot of things um, in the beginning started off with great mentors and sponsors and um, mentors, they can come naturally or you can go through some formalized programs for it. Um, but you find good people along the way and you find different mentors in your career as well. And mentors can help recognize some of these things as well, give you some good tips, can um, and can suggest some things like, hey, you know, maybe this weekend. Uh, really don't think about anything. Go on a holiday, go and do this. Uh, As you tell them your story, as you catch up with them, they can recognize that probably before you do, especially in the early stages of your career. And sponsors, on the other hand, are are, um, very important as well. They're the people that are really there to support you no matter what. They're the ones, you know, without you asking them, will put you forward and suggest um, you to other people and, and to have like, you know, unsolicited um, guidance there. So uh, in the early stages, do rely on the people around you that you can trust and um, they will help you through it. There's plenty of people out there who want to give back, who've gone through it, who are just very excited to help out um, new grads and, and young people in their careers. Um, but I would say in the beginning for me, I was head down, work hard. And sometimes I didn't realize it. I had to be tapped on the shoulder sometimes be like, Hey, Candace, you're doing a great job. Um, you know, you can be recognized for this, blah, blah, blah. And I had no idea. And I'm like, Oh, that's so nice to hear. I'm just working as hard as I can doing everything I can. And then, so it's sometimes nice to stick your head out and breathe and be like, Oh, okay. Well, well, that's great that, um, the accomplishments are there as well. So, but that all came from um, mentors, from people around me that I really looked up to, respected, and uh, they really wanted to help me through uh, early stages of working and, and my career as well. There's two things I want to highlight that you just mentioned that I think are really important. The first being actually recognizing and like relishing in your accomplishments, because I think at any point, whether you're a student or later on in your career, it's very easy to set goals and then achieve those goals and automatically be thinking about the next thing. It's something that I have definitely experienced in my time as a student. You know, you're thinking about getting into the top university. You get there, it's okay. I want to be in this club. Okay, I want to get these marks. And then you just are always focused on the next thing rather than actually 
patting herself on the back and saying, wow, I did this. This is what I at one point really wanted and now I'm here. So I think it's also like on the topic of burnout is also realizing, you know, how far you've come and really acknowledging your success um, in like a healthy way. Obviously, you don't want to be cocky, but I, I think it's something that is a really good reminder for like anyone at any point of their career. Definitely. I, I think that's um, sometimes an area that it takes time to recognize yourself. You have to do a lot of reflection. Um, you know, we talked a little about about having a team, having a coach around you. Um, you know, these are all people that you're creating in your circle of trust and making sure that everyone's there to help you be healthy as well. So mm-hmm. um, this is creating your board of directors, your group of people that you want to make sure are there to support you. And that's a big important part of as people progress in their careers, as they become executives, as they become really busy with family and work. Um, how do they juggle it all? Well, it, it does take some guidance and and help on the other side as well. Yeah, I like that, having your own board of directors. I know a lot of students talk about, or just in personal life, people say the five closest people to you make up who you are. And I think that's also you know relevant in your career. You want to make sure you're surrounding yourself with people who one, you look up to them and you admire their career, you admire skills and traits about them, but are also going to push you to get to that next point in your career, be the best version of yourself in both your career and your personal life as well. Definitely. And to hear different perspectives and to have men and women as mentors, um, you want to get really good mentors who are men who are supporting you as a woman and who can really, you know, be that champion because it doesn't mm. take, you know, woman helping women. That's great too. But yeah. it takes men to also believe in, in everything that you do and to help um, promote and, and bring you up as a successful career person. Yeah, that's a very important point. And kind of on this topic of mentors and new grads, something, you know, right now it is the end of the school season. So a lot of students are graduating or maybe they've been out of school for one to two years. And something that I've heard a lot of my friends talk about recently, this idea of not knowing what's next and knowing that you want to maybe be at some point in your career eventually, but don't know the steps to get there, or you don't actually know what your passions are. You don't know really what is happening once you graduate. Do you have any, you know, what was your journey with this? Did you always know you wanted to be in wealth management? Did you always know what your passions were? And if you didn't, maybe how did you kind of start to figure out what you really were passionate about and what you really wanted to do? Yeah, I I would say that's the most common ways that people have no idea what they want to do. And some people do, which is amazing. But um, I actually thought I wanted to be in marketing. So when I was in high school, I thought I wanted to be this master marketer, love the idea of being in the industry, Um, took specialized courses for marketing in university and was really on the way to thinking, you know, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. And then I realized um, in my third, fourth year that, you know, maybe not exactly what I wanted to do. And um, I did my dream job at that time, which was being a teller at a bank. And that was, wow, so fun. And that really started igniting my passion for the banking side and really not knowing where that was going to take me, but was just so happy to um, be a branch teller in in the beginning during university. Um, And then when I graduated, I was recommended to investment counseling right away. So I'm, I'm lucky because I did get to start day one of my career after school, um, in the field that I am now in wealth management, uh, not everyone gets that. And I almost, I thought it was too good to be true. 
So in the first five years, you know, maybe first two years, you're like, oh, this is so great. You're just absorbing, you're learning, you're working hard. And then you're like, this can't be it. This can't be like, I couldn't have found my passion and career already. That's that's insane. People change jobs like seven times in their career. So um, I did obviously go through an exploration, like maybe there are other areas within um, wealth or in the finance world that was uh, supposed to be my calling. So you do that search, you talk to lots of people, you try to see like, okay, is this an area I would like? And in the end, I decided, no, I love wealth management. This is my home. This is where I love to be and really like grew from there. And it just bloomed after um, I was comfortable with that decision and feeling. And honestly, haven't looked back. It's been, so when I say 15 years, it's 15 years from from day one of graduation and being able to do what I love and helping out the families that I do with um, their um, wealth as well. And I love how you mentioned that even though you knew you were doing what you wanted to, you were still like, is like, you're still self-doubting. You're like, is this what I really want to do? Like, there's always that inner voice in your head that's like, ah, maybe I can't like, I couldn't have found my dream job like right off the bat. Like maybe I should be doing something else. And I think it's that little voice in your head sometimes that is the reason that you're so unsure of what's to come because you're always self-doubting and questioning whether it's the right path. But I think just as you mentioned, I guess it's kind of like you're going to know. And once you're in that position, you'll be able to know if it's right for you or if it's not. And if it's not, that's okay too. I mean, like you mentioned, a lot of people change jobs. A lot of people switch companies, switch industries. I have friends that have done a whole four-year undergrad and then realized this is not what I want to do and gone back and done a whole different four-year undergrad program and something completely different. So I think it's also important just to know that even though you don't know what's coming next, whatever it is, it's not the end of the world. You can always switch and you can always pivot. Exactly. And I was always thinking as well, like, you know, this can't be it. Like, I actually want to have more education. I want to go get my master's, but I really didn't need it because I was in the area that I was so passionate about. And like every time I asked a, a, a manager or a, or a boss, like, you know, should I get my master's? They're like, well, why? <laughs> you don't need yeah. it. So uh, I'm like, but I just want it. And so, you know, you go through a lot of different thought processes in your career and um, trying to make the best decision for what you need. And sometimes it, you do just take that extra course or you take the extra degree and um, get further that way. Or sometimes you don't need to, and you just take your professional designations and that's uh, really what's needed. But the self-doubt is there. And I think this is why um, a lot of people tend to change and to question. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for women as well, uh, imposter syndrome is, is constantly uh, there. And as a topic of um, even the most successful people feel it, and I don't think it ever leaves you. So this is an area that you work on constantly and you make sure that, um, you know, you're very comfortable with what you found. Yes, 100%. And now talking a bit more about your career in wealth management, can you give young professionals or I think in my mind, when I think of wealth management, I think it's something that is for very wealthy people who are very later on in their in their life and in their career. So when should someone start thinking about wealth management? It's something that applies to everyone. Give like us a brief overview about wealth management. <laughs> so absolutely everyone should be thinking about it. Don't think that it's only for someone who's accumulated a lot of wealth. It's, you know, from your first paycheck, you should already be thinking about it because you want to start early. And what what's very um, amazing for young people is that time is on your side 
And the earlier you start investing, there's so many proven charts that show the earlier you start, the more wealth you um, accumulate. And it's compounded. That was the power of compounding. It's one of the, the eighth wonders of the world. So that's what <laughs> Einstein said. Um, so you got to start early. And um, sometimes when you start in the beginning, it's you know very cookie cutter. It's at the branch. It's maybe your savings. Just small little things here and there. And as you progress in your career, as you build more wealth, you make different shifts and changes and and searching for other investment management firms, other specialties, and finding what fits for you. So, um, you know, that's that's something I wouldn't stress. Uh, I I would say, like, go for it, be in it in day one, even if it's an ETF. Um, using the simplest way just to get exposure in the market, you got to get started. Take advantage of RSPs and TFSAs. Um, those are really great benefits to helping out uh, young people, working people. Uh, the TFSA, I'm always surprised when someone tells me they don't have one. It's like one of the best gifts that the government has given us is tax-free growth an account and, and actually grow it. Don't just put a, it in a savings TFSA, like actually invest in it because it's tax-free growth. So a lot of these types of things I love working with young people on and um, guiding them through it. It's it's a lot to think about, especially when you first get a paycheck. You're like, whoa, what do I do this? You're really happy. Maybe you spend some money buying some stuff that you want to reward yourself with, but then the rest of it. And, and don't just let money accumulate in your account doing nothing because that's one of the worst things that you can do. And maybe for a listener who doesn't know what a TFSA is, could you give a quick summary for someone that's like, oh no, I've never heard of this term before. I sh- should I be worried? <laughs> yeah. So a TFSA is called, it's a tax-free savings account. It is specific to Canadian investors. So if you're not in Canada, unfortunately, you don't have access to this. Um, and it's a, a, a type of account where the government allows additional contribution room every year. So it's been different amounts um, in past years. It's been more sort of solid at $6,000 a year now. And you start it when you're 19 years old. So whatever the contribution amount is in the year you turn 19, that's when you start accumulating your room for the TFSA. So this type of account, just think of it as like an RSP. Um, However, you can actually have a lot of liquidity there. So if you accumulate and then you want to buy a car one day or you want to put a down payment in your condo, that's a great account to take the source of money from because that is um, one where you don't get penalized for taking out. And after you take it out the next following calendar year, you can actually re-contribute the entire amount back in. So as you continue making more, you have bonuses from work and you start accumulating more um, to make sure you re-top it up when you can is definitely advised. So the TFSA is is wonderful. Like you can have it for short-term goals of spending, whether it's vacation, don't use it like a bank account, but <laughs> do have different goals, whether it's five years, 10 years down the line. So it has time for it to actually accumulate the growth within it. And correct me if I'm wrong, but if someone's listening that's maybe like 21, 22, and they haven't opened this account yet, are they able to go back and contribute from when they were 19? Like, are you able to? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I don't know what the correct word is, but you can kind of go back as if you were eight, eight, uh, 19 and put that $6,000 in or whatever it was at that time. Exactly. So you have, you can catch up to um, right. any of the years that you haven't contributed. You just add up the time, but work with your advisor on that and they'll make sure that you don't over contribute because 
Um, I've had sort of nightmare scenarios where people did overcontribute, and then you get penalized um, with interest. So that's not a fun process to go through. Um, so just be careful about the overcontribution, and the same goes for the RSP, the Registered Retirement Savings Plan. If you overcontribute, you also get penalized. So um, the emphasis is to work closely with your advisor to make sure that you're doing the right thing. Yeah. And on this topic of, you know, working with financial advisor, making sure like you have financial literacy, do you have any like tips or resources for people who maybe don't advocate enough for themselves when it comes to their finances and savings? And, you know, right now we're living in a very crazy time. There's wars and conflicts and inflation is being talked about. Gas prices are through the roof. And there's a lot of talk, especially among young professionals about this idea of like saving and not being able to ever, you know, afford anything. So do you have any like general tips or maybe some like starting points that are really good to learn a little bit more about financial literacy and make sure that, you know, you're taking account of your finances and no savings. Definitely. I I think you have to be sure that you educate yourself. No one is going to be the biggest advocate for your money other than yourself, maybe your parents too. And maybe they say, hey, you got to start investing. And some people have been lucky to um, have parents that maybe started an account for them while they were younger and um, to go through that process of education. Um, The biggest thing is be educated, read about these things that are out there, find resources that there's a lot of free resources online that can help you understand um, where to go, talk to professionals. A lot of professionals will be happy to talk to uh, lots of free webinars out there on um, financial literacy um, and just making sure that you own that relationship. So don't mm-hmm. just take it for granted. It's not just going to do something on its own in your bank account, especially when um, the interest rates are so low right now. Um, you need to make sure that you do something yourself. So uh, read not fun things, watch things, you know, YouTube's got tons of things too, but also the, the caution is, you know, not everything that's out there is also correct. So um, just be careful on um, what you're going through, who's presenting it. Uh, you want to make sure there are professionals behind it and a, a good, strong firm behind um, the professional as well, who is presenting this. And I think sometimes the hardest part is just making that first step, like, you know, whether that's like setting up a meeting with your financial advisor at your local branch or whether that's actually, you know, putting together a budget on Excel, like whatever it might be, taking the first step is always the hardest. And I think it seems very daunting and out of reach. So I would encourage students listening or anyone listening, regardless of your age, to kind of like take that first step. Obviously, I'm not a financial advisor at all. But from what I've just like heard talking with friends and from my own experiences, it, it seems a lot scarier than it is. And you feel a lot better also when you actually take that first step or you get organized or you talk to a professional about it, because that really is the unknown is almost scarier than what's actually there. Exactly. It's so it's important to find someone you trust. And when I work with clients, I just see the stress come off their shoulders. Like it is amazing that after everything is said and done and put together, they're just finally able to concentrate on their life, to do what they're really good at doing, whether it's in their careers, if they're retired, to actually enjoy retirement and not to think and stress about money that way. And like to think that in the back of their head, there's this thing they haven't really figured out yet and haven't felt comfort in actually setting it up to what they want to set it up to. So that is one um, area that I see all the time for people. And as life changes, your situation changes, you need to make sure you adjust your financial situation, maybe adjust people that you're working with. Um, You have to be on top of it yourself. 
And then quickly, the last thing I want to ask in terms of wealth management is for any student who maybe wants to pursue a career in wealth management, do you have any tips for maybe um, skills that are really helpful to have in the industry or career or maybe something you knew um, when you were in, something you wish you knew when you were in school before you started this career that you kind of gained throughout your time? So I would say in um, wealth management and finances in general, you have to be extremely detail-oriented. And that's not just a word you put on your resume. You actually have to be that. Otherwise, it's actually it's hard to become successful um, if you're making mistakes because you're dealing with lots of money. You're dealing with figures. Like You can't make mistakes like that. So if that's something that you sort of feel like you have that as a, as a natural skill, take advantage of it because not everyone has that. Um, the other thing is be a sponge and absorb everything. Just work hard, volunteer yourself on projects, just be a part of everything, have a really good positive attitude and people will start giving you more and start like helping you out because they see that your attitude is just amazing to work with and and uh, they want to invest in you and your career and and give you time and the opportunities. So definitely use that to your advantage. But um, the other thing is to find a place that you work well with culturally. Uh, culture in a firm is very different from firm to firm. You want to make sure that you love where you work because that's where you do your best work. And even if you think, oh, my dream job or dream company is to work here, if it doesn't work out, don't hesitate to make a shift and find a company that's better fit for your personality, for what you're looking for. Um, it will be out there. So as much as you're interviewing for roles, make sure that you're interviewing them for the perfect place for your work environment as well. It's really interesting you bring up that last point. I was at a networking virtual event a few days ago and one of the, it was a student, it was a speed networking. One of the questions I was kind of break the ice was what's your dream company? And the person I was speaking to, he went to answer the question. He's like, I actually don't have a dream company. My dream company is just a company that's going to support me, that I'm going to be able to have fun with, that maybe has like an intramural team or, or t people that are into sports because I really like sports. And I thought it was so insightful because so many times young professionals and people early in their careers have this like dream company or this like company or firm that's at the top of their list of where they want to get to. But I think it's really refreshing to remember that any firm could be a dream firm depending on like their fit to you. So I think it just relates really well to what you were, what you were mentioning. Yeah, that's um, that's really good summary and insight. And I think when you first graduate, you have these goals and you're just so focused on getting them. And then you get really disappointed when it's not exactly what you thought it would be. And it's the biggest deal in the world when you first graduate. But you have to be able to pivot, pivot and shift and um, be flexible, be comfortable with what you know, be comfortable with yourself and really finding your genuine self is, you know, like I said before, where you do your best work. So you want to have that opportunity, you owe it to yourself to be in that type of environment. And sometimes it takes a few firms to find your ideal firm, but every step that you go through, you get closer to it. And um, it may not be, you know, first three, four, four or five, but um, if you're lucky, it's your first one. Um, but it's very rare that it is that. Um, you just get more comfortable with yourself and knowing what you need to, um, to make yourself happy. Well, Candice, thank you so much for all your advice this far. I want to ask our last question, which is if there's one piece of advice you want to leave listeners with that you wish you knew when you started your career or that you've been given throughout your career that's really stuck with you. So I would say um, being open to be involved in everything, um, 
if wherever you're at is not giving you exactly what you want, don't hesitate to find volunteer roles outside. That's how I really got started in volunteering and expanding leadership type of roles uh, early in my career where no one was going to give me a leadership role. Uh, I didn't know that at the time. So, um, you know, volunteer in associations um, for, for women in uh, finance, women in capital markets is a great place to be. There's lots of ways that you can be involved. Volunteers stretch your skills beyond what you're learning in your company and, and contributing to. And so that would that be my biggest piece of advice is to really go for it and stretch beyond what you're doing on the everyday job. Like, of course, excel in your in your role. But if you want more things that you're not getting because you're young and uh, really haven't put in your time just yet, uh, that's where you can look outside to have those types of um, opportunities. And I would say I would stress mainly leadership opportunities because in the beginning, you don't get a lot of that. But if you want to sure. already start growing that you got to look outside. Thank you so much, Candice, for sharing your journey and sharing more about how you've been involved outside of your career and found passions and volunteering and how students can also find leadership roles and find fulfillment in their career outside of just their nine to five job. So thank you so much for sharing all of your tips and tricks with us on wealth management and starting to save. We really appreciate your time and hope to see you again with Business Casual soon. Thank you so much, Stacey, for having me. It was a pleasure speaking with you as well and sharing my story. Um, good luck with everything. You're, you're doing an amazing job sharing lots of people's stories, and uh, I look forward to hearing many more from, from you guys. <laughs>